So it's some of you may or may not know that, that um, I don't take attendance and don't require you to come to class, but I think it's not in your interests not to come. At least not in the interest of your grades. I'm sure it is in your interest or you would come. You obviously have better things to do and, you know, it's your, li your life. Um, but if for whatever reason you don't come but want to see what you missed, um, you can um, get it off the podcast. So I will, I will tell you the link for that. Um, okay, does someone, so, so on the top right is this poem by Wyatt. Um, as I say, the other or one of the other in Toddles Miscellany, and um, we'll be reading a bunch of uh, Wyatt for next week. Um, oh, I see the stupid mistake I made. You should also read Skelton for next week. Um, I was thinking this is a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday class, um, so I thought we had class tomorrow, but of course we don't. Um, so, the so the second mistake on the syllabus, the first mistake on the syllabus it sh is that it should tell you don't do outside research. Um, it should also have Skelton and Wyatt for next Monday. Um, so today we'll just be looking at Wyatt and Herbert. Yeah. I guess I should have Annalise, asked. is that your name? Yes, Annalisa. Annalisa. Um, since Wyatt is on the 23rd and the 30th, which specific? Like, it, this is more what we'll be discussing rather than, you should, you should read everything you need to read for the discussion. Um, so, the, so for Wyatt, there just isn't that much to read. Um, so, like everything in here by a particular right, author. Right. Right. Okay. When we come to Paradise Lost, you don't have to have read all of Paradise Lost by the sixteenth um, of April, but you could because that'll be vacation. That's one reason that I set it up that way. So we have, um, we'll have, I think it's actually over a week off for Passover vacation. Um, after the week of April 2nd. I think it's April 6th through the 15th or something. Um, and that would be a really, really, really good time for you to read a lot of Paradise Lost. Um, what Dr. Johnson, who loved it, uh, somehow you end up quoting a lot of Dr. Johnson um, if, if you teach this stuff. What, what Samuel Johnson, who really loved, Samuel Johnson was the greatest of English critics. He was also the, um, the first um, single and and a single author author of the first great English dictionary, the first English dictionary from which all other dictionaries like Webster's and the Oxford English Dictionary and so on flow. Um, and what he said about Paradise Lost was, um, it's a great great poem, but no man ever wished it longer. Um, <laughs> so and he loved it. Um, he also liked the fact that it didn't sell out um, for about 10 years after Milton published it. Um, and he said, see if it were shorter. Um, so you should try and um, devote a lot of your, your vacation to it. But that's pretty much the only thing that you shouldn't have done all the, all the um, relevant reading for um, for the week that we begin that author. So does that make sense? Good. Okay, so does someone want to read They Flee From Me Aloud? Or, yeah, the whole poem, or even just the first stanza? Leah. They flee from me that sometimes did me seek, with naked foot stalking in my chamber. I have seen them gentle, tame, and meek, that now are wild and do not remember, that sometimes they put themselves in danger to take bread at my hand, 
and now they range, busily seeking with a continual change. Thank ye fortune, it hath been otherwise, twenty times better, but once in special, in thin array after a pleasant guise, when her loose gown from her shoulders did fall. And she me caught in her arms long and small, therewithal sweetly did me kiss, and softly said, Dear heart, how like you this? It was no dream, I lay broad waking, but all is turned through thorough my gentleness, into a strange fashion of forsaking. And I have leave to go of her goodness, and she also to use newfangledness. But since that I so kindly am served, I would fain know what she hath to do. Thank you. Lovely. Um, so what do we think this is about? Just first crudest approximation. It was great, and then it wasn't. Okay, <laughs> yes. It was great, and then it wasn't. And what's the it there? Love. Love? Okay, so um, he is describing a shattered or broken or come to grief love affair. Um, it was great, and then it wasn't. Yeah, what's your name? I'm sorry. Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Um, to me, it seemed like he was reminiscing about, like, I don't know if it was, it seems like it's, it, there's not enough, like, tension that it's, like, completely shattered. It feels like he's just mourning the loss of, like, they were so in love, and now it's kind of just, like, flat, like that, like a plateau. And so, like, he's mourning the loss of, like, how, how great it was, because now it's not really anything. It's not like horrible, it's not great, it's kind of just like she's around and I'm around. And yeah. Yeah, okay, good. She's around and I'm around. Um, where do you think they're around? I know that's a weird question, but um, it probably has something of a college feel to it, that your sense of she's around and I'm around, right? Um, in real life, if you break up with someone and you're not sharing children or something, um, you may not have occasion ever to see them again. Um, but in this life that you guys still get to lead, although some of you are seniors, I know, um, that's not what it's like. Um, then you're around and they're around. And um, is that good or bad that that's the case? And who they are, yeah. right? As, as much of a cop out as that is. No, no, no. I think it's true, but it's a description of a of a kind of social situation, um, a social situation which is a little bit. I mean, Brandeis is big enough that it's not quite that, but it's a little bit of a hothouse um, environment. Um, you get involved with people, and then if that's over, you the break can't be entirely clean. Um, it can be that, and that has good and bad sides to it. Um, but um, the way you put it, she's around and I'm around, I think you twig to that, that there, there is this sense of, yeah, they're around. They're still around. Yeah, yeah, Leah. It's also interesting because in the first stanza, it's they. Yes. Which is the she. Right. So my first thought when I was reading it was that he was talking about children, like they grow up and they leave you behind, and then that didn't really pan out. But, um, <laughs> It, it makes me wonder, like, how many are there? I mean, is he just a serial lover of younger women, and then they realize that he's too old for them, or what's going on? Um, why would you say there were younger women? 
because you thought they were children at first, but if they're um, not children, why would you say they were younger? It's just the way, the way he talks about it, um, loose gown, sweetly, dear heart, it's just, it's a very, and also um, newfangledness as well, like it's, it, there, it feels like there's a nostalgia and it feels like there's a generation gap. Okay, um, I certainly agree with you about the nostalgia. Um, what do other people think about the generation gap? Yeah, what, remind me? Omri. What is it? Omri. Omri. Uh, well, I'd definitely say that there like, could be the idea of, especially from uh, arms long and small, I mean, maybe an idea of like slightly younger than, than the male character, something like that. Um, small, just to tell you, means slender there. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that may not make that much of a difference. Um, sorry. Uh, Sam, I wasn't going to comment on the generation gap, but I just read this as, yeah, uh, along with the theme of they. It's just not about one particular woman, but rather just like a pattern that Wyatt probably experienced at some point where love just sort of always seems to go through this path. And it might have just been two girls or three, but I don't think it necessarily means there's like a whole huge range of them. It's just something that he's witnessed or been a part of. Okay, good. George. You know, on the generation thing, in the first stanza he mentions, uh, I've seen them gentle, tame, and meek, <clears throat> that now are wild and do not remember. So it looks like he's seen them grow up over a period of some years. Okay, okay. Um, Gabriella? Yeah. For me, that in my mind played out as um, like emotional vulnerability. Like, I've seen them gentle, tame, and meek. Like, when, you know, when you're in love and like, you know, there's stars in your eyes and everything is kind of like, you know, birds and rainbows and things like that. And then they are now wild and do not remember. Like, he remembers, he has all this nostalgia for the love that they shared. Mm -hmm. And they're now wild. Like, they're free to run around and do whatever they want. And they don't remember him the way that he remembers them. Yeah. And so, like, and, like, for the loose gown that her shoulders fell off and, like, or that fell off of her shoulders and the long, the, her, the arms thing, I thought that that was just, like, a size difference. Like, like that, like, oh, like, she looks so fragile because she was so emotionally vulnerable, not particularly that, like, she's younger, so she's smaller than me. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, what's your hand up? Sort of. Okay. Um, what's, remind me your name? Nikki. Nikki. Uh, Nikki or Nikki? Nikki. Nikki. Um, I agree with uh, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, Gabrielle. 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 Um, more that it's an, an emotional, it's an innocence rather than a generation gap is how I saw it that it's, um, like, with the gentle, tame, and meek, the, the woman was, you know, unknowing of whatever, the love of life. And that doesn't necessarily mean she was younger. It could mean she was just someone who just didn't know of the ways of the world. Yes, and that can be younger, but it doesn't necessarily imply that. Okay. Huh. Okay. Um, Annalisa? Um, this is sort of in a different direction, but I wanted to comment about sort of the difference between the first two stanzas and the last one. Yeah, good. The one where it's like, it is no dream, I lay broad waking. And that sort of made me see the first two as it's sort of like a dreamlike yeah. quality versus the last one that was actually reality, which then makes me think, are is it actually a they or is like this love affair some type of like dream that he's then projecting into this poem? Like, I don't know, but... 
I just thought it was interesting enough. Yeah. Well, notice the amazing thing <coughs> that he does is what gives those first two stanzas a dreamlike quality or, or registers um, for us their dreamlike quality is that his saying they weren't a dream. But, oh, but by saying they weren't a dream, what he was saying is that really felt like a dream. It's hard to believe that that wasn't a dream. It so feels like a dream now. Um, that's an amazing thing to do in a line of poetry. Um, and in a sense, you could say Wyatt is inventing, really inventing modern English poetry. There's nothing like Wyatt in English before him. Um, what we, what people who like poetry now like in poetry is something that Wyatt brought to English. Um, so just that moment, that sort of sudden change of pace, that kind of hush that you get there. Um, a hush where you realize that there's been a hush, that moment where you suddenly say, wait a second, it's been hushed for a while. That's what that line is like. And that's just an amazing thing to be able to do in six or seven words the way he does. Um, so I'm really glad you, you pointed that out. Leah. Um, trying to figure out which one I want to start. It's, I feel like it's not... I stick with my generation gap thing only in that it's, it feels there's a left behindness. Um, yeah. He talks about busily seeking with a continual change. Mm -hmm. I'm going to skip ahead several hundred years. It reminds me of Jail from Food Rock, like a lot. Um, there's just this. The women talking Michelangelo? Yeah. It's also, the, you know, do yeah, I probably. There's a sense of like disengagement and watching someone you used to love continue to be engaged. Yes. Yeah. And that reads to me as getting older. Like there okay. Well, but let, let's, be, let's, let's save that formulation. Disengagement while you watch someone you used to love or who used to love you continue to be engaged. Um, let's go back to the, to the first stanza and just go through it. Um, that idea of people being around, just to explain why I was pushing its parallel to being at a university or a college in a relatively small one, um, is the equivalent there, <coughs> which was much more restricted and much smaller, was court. Um, that is to say, what Wyatt here is describing is um, life at court. And Wyatt is the great poet of disillusionment with courtly life. Um, Wyatt knows what it's like, and, um, and it ends up, as you'll see um, in the reading for next week, it ends up being terrible. Um, there's a distinct, though probably um, less, like, less, less likely than not, um, but there's a, certainly a realistic possibility that this poem is about Anne Boleyn. Um, and um, that Wyatt and Anne Boleyn were together before Henry VIII decided um, that he wanted her for himself. Um, Wyatt saw her executed. He was in a, he was imprisoned in the Tower of London um, and saw her beheaded. Um, and uh, as you'll see, he has a poem about that. Um, the bell tower showed me such sight that in my mind sticks day and night, he says, of that. 
Um, so the situation here, it is a hothouse atmosphere. It's the atmosphere of the court. Yeah, Gabrielle. Sorry, is that why he says um, that sometimes they put themselves in danger to take bread at my hand? That, like, because she, like, he was, because she, he knew that the king was interested in her, it was dangerous for her to, like, be around him, or? Well, probably not. That is, it's probably not intended to mean that, um, because this would be pre-Henry's um, interest. Um, but, when he's married to someone else, but um, the danger is nevertheless um, not, it probably has some sense of um, there's always danger when you hook up with someone under the eye of the king. And um, either you tell the king and that can lead to un um, unexpected consequences, or you don't tell the king and that can lead to bad consequences. So the, essentially there's a general atmosphere of danger um, in Henry's court, um, given his penchant for beheading people. Um, he must have been a very, very scary person. Um, and the sense of danger in his court must have been acute. Um, you know, I think in uh, Louis XIV's court, which was also a hothouse atmosphere, I don't think people felt the same, the same sense of peril all the time that they did in Henry's court. Um, so it's not, I think, I mean, we don't know for sure, um, and, um, but I think it's, it's not the case that what he's describing here is, oh no, what if, what if he gets interested in her? Um, but just that this is, this is a place where being too committed to a person is not a good idea, um, just because things are always too tense. Um, and therefore, you should always be ready to um, uh, flee, if necessary, to take off um, in a moment's notice. So I think if you, if you feel that atmosphere coming out of the poem, that's right. That's, that's um, what what being at that court was like. And he has lots of poems about um, disillusion with court life. Um, so, yeah. Um, so they flee from me. Um, so the first thing we do notice, although it wasn't the first thing you said, is the plural there. Um, they flee from me that sometime did me seek. Um, and some of you hazarded that they were children. That is, you, you notice there was a plural there um, and that that was an issue. Um, they flee from me that sometime did me seek. What does sometime mean there? Before? Yeah, that, that, that um, in, it, at other times sought me. But now they're fleeing. They flee from me that sometime did me seek. Such a strong word, flee. They flee from me that sometime did me seek with naked foot stalking in my chamber. What do you, what's the most interesting word in that line? Stalking. Stalking, yeah. Um, Are you seeing all these hunting terms in this? It's, it's all about, about, about the hunt. Uh-huh. Um, and animals who are tame, you know, like deer park deer that you can feed out of your hand, and then, and then they run. Yeah. Stalking is a, is a hunting term. I'm sorry, what was the sentence you said before you can feed out of your hand? Deer in a deer park. Right, yes, yeah. Little shy animals who you can feed bread out of their hand. Exactly. Wild. Right, right, good. 
Um, the word heart is a pun in the question that she asks him, dear heart, how like you this? Um, and it's, um, again, a heart as being like, like an animal that would be skittish. Um, so yeah, they flee from me now like deer taking off. Um, they flee from me that sometime did me seek with naked foot stalking in my chamber. So you see stalking is a hunting word also. Um, okay. Sure. Um, I, think, I think that's literally what it is. I think that any other use of the word to stalk, like on Facebook, um, <laughs> is a metaphorical use of, of, of um, the hunting term. Um, who stalks in hunting? What does it mean to stalk? What gets stalked? You stalk your prey. Um, so it's the predator stalks the prey. Um, cats stalk, right? Um, and what they stalk are pigeons. Um, when you talk about people stalking off in a bad mood, that's a, that's a misuse of the word. Um, it just means that they're um, intent on going in the direction that they're going and nothing will, um, they won't pay any attention to anything else. Um, but cats stalk mice or pigeons. Um, humans might stalk deer. Lions might stalk elk. Um, but it's the, it's the hunting animal, whether that animal is human or not, that does the stalking. Why with naked foot? Naked, I think, is the other interesting word there. To me, that implied sexuality. Like, sure. I, I didn't How could it not? Children because of that. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so naked in my chamber certainly implies sexuality. Um, Gabrielle? Or at least some state of undress. Like, I might not be talking about like her entire person, but she's at least undressed enough that she has nothing on her feet. Yeah. So it's, it lends to a familiarity. Like, stalking is in makes it seem like this has happened more than once because she's familiar enough that like she's not wearing all of her clothes and she's, or I don't know. Well, all, really, all you need to know is that she's barefoot in his room. I mean, if someone's husband or wife comes in, there isn't an innocent explanation for that. He Sorry? I said he might see your ankles. Yeah. yeah. No, that's Victorian anxiety. Um, you are not entirely unlikely to see um, bare-breasted women in the 16th century. Um, wait, don't tell me. Naked foot, being Okay, so there's a combination of sexuality and danger here, um, which again is that, that sense of peril at court. Um, even extends into the sexual domain, or you could say that, um, the, sec that, that per the sense of peril at court um, sexualizes a lot of things that otherwise might not be sexualized, or, or imperils a lot of things that otherwise might not seem perilous or that the perilous game of sexuality 
um, is partly perilous because it takes place in the perilous purlieus, how's that, the perilous purlieus of court. Um, that should be a um, Lemony Snicket book. <laughs> the perilous purlieus. Um, but the, yeah, the perilous purlieus of court. Um, his niece went to Brandeis, did you know that? Yeah, she took my Shakespeare class. Um, so, um, but what else is puzzling about that line? If you take stock as what predators do, Leah, or I'm sorry, you. Um, what's your name again? Barbara. Barbara. Oh, it's kind of opposite because sometimes it's showing the woman as the, the prey or the deer. But here, she's kind of, she's the one stalking. So it's that like, dichotomy of who is really um, being chased or chasing. Good, good. Yeah, exactly. Leah? Ditto. Ditto. OK, <laughs> good. Um, kind of Rush Limbaugh reading of <laughs> ditto. <laughs> Mega dittos, Rush. Um, no, 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 no. I myself am a ditto head. It's just I say ditto to other people, not Rush Limbaugh. Um, the, so there is something certainly to be noticed about the question who's the predator and who's the prey. Um, and they flee from me. Now he's regarded as the predator. They want nothing to do, do with him. Um, he is dangerous to them in some way or another. Or they're just not interested in him. Um, it could be there's some interesting range of self-disgust and self-despair that can make Wyatt um, seem both dangerous because the whole sexual game is dangerous, but also can make it feel like they may be fleeing from him because he somehow turned into Charlie Brown. Um, that is, he's become a doofus. Um, and those, those aren't contradictory things. That is, the, what this poem is describing is a world where those things can be on a continuum. Um, so obviously, doofus is not the right word for him. But if you think of the idea, what is it that would make him a little bit doofus-like? What's the one thing you might do wrong? that would open you to um, um, being made fun of or being felt to be um, just too, too goofy for this world, Gabriel. How attached he's gotten. OK, because yeah. He's like, if he's being so nostalgic about it now, and you just said it was dangerous to even get really that close, and now it's open, <coughs> he's still that attached. It's yeah. probably something that's, that you would not want. It's like, Okay, good. Clingy. Nice. Um, so let so we can we can say maybe a little bit more then about the danger that is being described here in this hot atmosphere, which is that essentially there's a lot of flirtation and a lot of sex in this world, which there was. I mean, it's not we're not just getting this out of the poem, um, but you could just get it out of the poem. Um, a lot of flirtation and a lot of sex in this world. Um, and the danger of that flirtation and sex, 
besides the external danger, which is that the king is going to get pissed off or going to interfere in some way that's unfortunate, but besides the external danger, um, there's an internal or an inherent danger, which is that you might fall in love. Um, the whole point is that it should stay, um, it should occur on the level the da of, of, of dangerousness and not on the level of love. What is it that love wants? Um, well, love wants trust and love wants safety. Um, that's part of the happiness that love proposes to itself if you're in love with someone and you're genuinely in love with them. Um, somehow the content of your desire is um, a straightforward happiness. Um, what is sexy about the scene is the extent to which it isn't about love, the extent to which it's about um, teasing yourself with the possibility of love or teasing the other person or playing a game in which you try to get the other person to fall in love with you while you don't fall in love with them. There's some cruelty here. Um, part of the game involves cruelty. Um, not cruelty as in, I want to see you suffer, but cruelty as in, I want you to be the more needy one. I want you to be the one who actually can't exit whenever he or she wants. Um, I want you to be drawn more into this than you intended. You thought I'd be the one more drawn into it than you. So it's not, I want you to fall in love with me so that I can break your heart. It's that is the game. They know it's the game, is to get the other person somehow less ready to drop things than you are. And that's part of the um, atmosphere of um, sexual tension here. Um, it's not sexual tension the way we frequently talk about it now, which is, is he flirting with me or isn't he? Oh, there's so much sexual tension. But it's rather, of course we're flirting with each other and we're going to even sleep together. Um, the question is, how much are we going to let our, our emotions go when we do that? How much are we going to um, um, be completely in the moment instead of also being um, manipulative and calculating during even the moment? Um, how much are we going to expose ourselves? Sure, we'll be naked together, but will we expose ourselves emotionally? And the game is the risk of emotional exposure. Um, but they all know how it's played. So there, so there they are in his room stalking him. He knows they're there, um, but there's still that experience of sexuality, naked foot stalking in my chamber. Um, I have seen them gentle, tame, and meek. That is that somehow they do come and take bread at his hands. They're ready to fly, but he's made the moment. They've made the moment together one where they do take bread at his hands, like a deer. Um, Sam? Yeah, but it's also like we're only getting one perspective. We might be just reading a guy who thinks that someone else is playing a game that she's not really playing, and he's just like sort of over-analyzing everything that's happening. Like we don't we don't know we don't know the other side of the story. All we see is one guy who thinks that someone's stalking around his room when really she could be 
totally invested in what, what's happening. Um, except she turns out not to be, yeah, right? That's true. <laughs> and also, there's still that plural, which is really crucial. Um, and if you look at the second stanza, thank be fortune it hath been otherwise 20 times better. Um, so 20 times better there, just so you know, that's not, right now we would say, oh man, that's, you know, um, Baskin Robbins is 20 times as good as Howard Johnson's. Um, that's not a 16th century way of using that. 20 times means um, there were um, 20 different um, parallel situations. So what he's actually saying is how many people belong to the they in the first. Now, obviously, he hasn't counted. Well, there was this one and this one and this one. But um, by 20 times, he means I did this a lot. There were 20 different women who were stalking in my chamber at various times. Um, this is how we lived at court. This is how I lived at court. Um, I was, um, I played the game well. And there were 20 different women who played the game with me. Um, and with other men, too. Um, everyone was sophisticated. So part of what the poem's about is, you're right, he is making a claim that he alone has um, had an experience that, that the women haven't. And he doesn't, he doesn't have a right to say that. Um, but he is describing his own situation that I was, look at it this way, I was good at the game. Um, everyone was playing the game, and I was good at it. Um, and there were 20 times that um, women would come and be gentle and tame and meek and take bread in my hands. Um, but now they range busily seeking with a continual change. That is, they're going to other guys. Um, they're stalking in the chambers of other men at court. Continual change. Um, no one is looking for anything but the 16th century equivalent of speed dating. Um, no one is looking um, to settle with someone and um, to, to be an item with them. And um, I was really good at this game. But now, somehow, I'm humiliated. Somehow I'm, I'm, I'm a persona non grata, and no one will come to my room anymore. No one is interested in any kind of um, sexual relation with me. So thank be fortunate hath been otherwise 20 times better. And then the crucial turn, and again, this is so modern, the way Wyatt does this, that we get to the second line of the second stanza before we get to the point, before we go from a they to a she. He's been holding that off also, as though the poem itself is, is, is or the speaker of the poem, is um, pushing back on the idea of falling into that single, deep need for a single person. Um, the complaint itself, the way the complaint is, fr is framed in the first stanza, which is, um, I'm on the outs now, um, and all these women that I used to sleep with and that I would like to be sleeping with, they don't want to sleep with me. Um, I am, I'm somehow been um, uh, anathematized in court. 
And it's only the second stanza that we find out why. Once and special, this is what's really bothering him. Thank be fortunate it hath been otherwise 20 times better. And so far, he's still just a, a player. But then, that's where the hush starts, I think. Um, the hush that you picked up on. But once in special. When was that? Well, it was after a party or something. In thin array, after a pleasant guise, she was wearing very thin, um, very, very um, slight, um, wispy clothing, diaphanous clothing, after a pleasant guise, when her loose gown from her shoulders did fall. And she, t she me caught, not she caught me, and she me caught. That inversion is emphatic there. Um, we're expecting, and she caught me in her arms. Um, what about the word caught? Oh, hunting, term. hunting term there, right. But it's, and she, me caught in her arms, long and small, therewithal sweetly did me kiss. So he's full of wonder at this memory, and probably full of wonder at the time, and softly said, dear heart, how like you this. So that's the moment he remembers. That was amazing. Everyone's had this experience, right? Every where there was just that perfect moment, that perfect impossible moment. You never thought it would happen. And then that person you had a crush on, it all worked. And now it looked like everything would be good from then on. And when it's over, you can't believe that you got there with them. That's where it should all have stopped. And now what's gone wrong? That's what he's describing here. It's a, it's a really, really, um, no one before Wyatt in modern poetry, at least in English. Um, I don't know if you even get it in Italian, but no one before Wyatt in English poetry had described this this particular psychological sense of, I can't believe it. We got to this point, and that's what it should have been. That's what poetry is about, as I write poems to the beloved, and then finally she falls for me, and it's all great. But no, we got to that point, and it's over. How did that happen? What happened that it's over? So it was no dream. I lay broad waking. But all is turned through my gentleness. So remember, they were gentle, tame, and meek. But now he's the one who, through his own gentleness, he was a patsy. He, he wasn't demanding enough, is what he thinks of himself. What did I do wrong? I was too easy. All is turned through my gentleness into a strange fashion of forsaking. He's been forsaken strangely. The op strange there is the opposite of tameness, let's say. It's more, it's on the side of wildness. And I have leave to go for goodness. So this is all kind of official um, ways of behaving. Yes, you may go. Um, you don't, you, no need for you to fall in love with me. Did anyone have an iPhone 4S? One of the things if you say to Siri, I love you, my, I gave my son one for his birthday. And so he's just getting amazing dialogues with Siri. At one point, he said to her, I love you. And her response was, 
I respect you. Um, so um, that's kind of what she's doing here. She's respecting him. And I have leave to go of her goodness. No, no, if you want to see other women, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. And she also, to use newfangledness, she also, yeah, and, and you, if you want to see other men, that's fine also. You can do it. It's court. But since that I so kindly am served, very bitter irony in the word kind. It's also an, it's also an animal um, image. We don't really have that anymore. But kind, um, when, when Hamlet says to um, Claudius, a little more than kin, but less than kind, um, kind there means same species. And it tends to be our word kind for um, cattle comes from, comes from that. Um, since that I so kindly am served means served with kindness, but served in the kind of way that such an animal acts, um, since she is reverted to kind. Um, I guess we have it in mankind. That means the species of man. Um, since that I so kindly am served, I fain would know what she hath deserved. Shouldn't she be unhappy about this? Our relationship has been symmetrical, and we're both cold to each other, and we've both parted. Um, but he's bitter, and she isn't. And why is he bitter? Because she isn't. He's bitter, and she isn't, and he's bitter because she isn't. Um, okay, I kept you too long. But, um, so follow the syllabus. Do the reading for next week. Uh, read the skeleton, but really pay attention to the Wyatt. Um, we'll start, however, right, right away next week with the Herbert poem right beneath it, Love Three.